kicked off again at our usual recording time. It is your most gracious host from the Play On podcast, myself, Cal Sirius, alongside man like Ash. What's happening? What's happening? Right now, I've just got a whole waft of bacon wafting into my nostrils. I don't even eat pork, so I'm actually a little bit upset. But I'm bit. Bacon is the truth, bro. <clears throat> bacon is the truth. You can't beat a good bacon sandwich. Wow. Big facts. Not doing the swine, none of that. Should be, uh, should be I got time. I got time for swine still. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bar. I got time for swine. <laughs> How's your week been? Um, it's 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 been actually quite a long week. Just just had loads of stuff going on, lots to do, but you know, constructive. Got some things done. Yeah, I hear you. Um, so it's nice to have the weekend and Christmas just around the corner. I was going to say, this is like our last pod for the year and ahead of Christmas. So quick, early, like happy Christmas to everyone. Um, happy New Year shout as well. Hoping 2022 is the best year yet. And just big love from the BRB slash play on podcast team. Mm, goodwill toward all men and all of that cuddly stuff. Come on, look after yourself. Like that's my most that's my biggest message for 2022. Look after yourself. You really in the Christmas spirit? Um, got like I love Christmas. I love Christmas. Like, like, person, yeah. Listen, I've got a spreadsheet for Christmas presents. That's how that's how into Christmas I am. Because I got a lot of there's a lot of young people who like I look after. Lots of my friends have got kids. Obviously, I've got my I've got my little boy. So when it comes to Christmas, like there's just tons and tons of presents that are like just on their way out. So yeah, man, I love Christmas. I proper like it's it's probably my favorite time of the year. Cool. Um. It is it is a good time of the year. Uh, good fun with uh, friends and family and stuff. Uh, hopefully you'll be enjoying yours, and so will our listeners. Hundred. Um, one thing that's always cool about Christmas is how many football matches you get. You get a jam-packed Christmas schedule. Boy, we don't know about that this year, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, Boxing Day, Boxing Day is usually uh, a treat for us, isn't it? Like, there's usually loads of football on Boxing Day. Right now, we've the coronavirus ravaging the new Omicron variant. Wow. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. It's actually been tearing football up recently in the last week or so. It's been affecting those fixtures. Um, I think you said earlier, just before we started recording, there was only seven fixtures played in the week, I think you said? Yeah, so there were seven, seven fixtures played in the week. In the last seven days, we've had 10 fixtures cancelled on top of Burnley Tottenham, which was cancelled the week before as well. So that's 11 fixtures that have been cancelled within the last couple of weeks. Now, anyone who plays fantasy manager, <laughs> hey, listen, it is ruining sides. But also, it's just kind of affecting our watching experience. So certain people, certain people meant to have games on TV. It's been moved around. Um, some people have travelled like up to an area maybe the night before, thinking, yeah, we've got an early kickoff. Then the game's cancelled. The disruption has caused, like the disruption has been crazy, not just for the players, but really importantly for the fans and everyone else who kind of supports that team, even the staff members who work there as well. Um, some people only get paid if the game's on, like your stewards or like your kind of like your sessional staff. So this, so these cancellations have a massive effect, not just on what what we view as um, as um, watchers, but as, but in people's pockets as well. For sure, for sure, massive financial impact uh, at, with games being cancelled. You know all that match day revenue. 
Um, I'm not so sure how the, the contractual obligations with the TV rights work, mm. but um, you know, games will be rescheduled, so I suppose those uh, those contractual obligations will still be carried out. Um, interestingly, in this uh, article you shared from the Guardian, it it says that on Monday night there was a record number of positive COVID-19 tests mm. um, affecting Man United's game versus Brentford. Mm. And actually 42 Premier League players and officials tested positive for the mm. virus in the seven days that ended on the Sunday, mm. um, which is a record for a single week since testing began. Mm. Um, it's just like right now we're setting coronavirus records. It's crazy, right? After we've had our lockdowns and after we've tried to resume normal life we're actually setting records mm. doesn't make any sense but yeah i mean listen i just hope everyone's well um anyone who may be kind of having to isolate um we wish we wish you well we wish that we wish you a, a full recovery um and yeah we just hope that able to kind of get through this again it feels like the same kind of message just everyone like mucking in being mindful taking care of each other but yeah we just we have to just keep saying it because that seems to be the only thing that's going to get us through this because things like direction from the government <laughs> isn't isn't doing it so essentially like look after yourself look after your people and yeah let's just let's just get through this yeah um the article also talks about measures so mm-hmm in the Premier League, they've had to return to social distancing at training grounds, limiting time in treatment rooms. It's just like, it's it's really made things awkward, hasn't it? Mm. It's affected all of us in society. It's definitely happening in football. Um, they're going to have to try and limit social contacts. Although, if you're a superstar footballer, I don't know how much contact you're going to be limiting, you know? If, if there's, like, you know, a group of uh, attractive ladies that want to come hang out and, you know... You got you got all the money in the world. You got the fast car. You can call up a couple of mates for a couple of party. You know, what I mean, no, I think no. this is it's, it's that kind of thing that maybe that's why uh, we're struggling with the virus because you know people do like to have parties and then the social distancing goes out of the window. Um, you know, and then people do spread the virus, don't they? So yeah, Project Restart is back. No, please, please. <laughs> Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. But there were some games, so let's kind of fo- let's at least like give thanks and give 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 praise that we were able to see some football this week. I mean, th- there were some games, uh, so we can quickly go through some of those games, right? So we had Norwich versus Villa. Mm. Um, now I'm sure Norwich would have wished that game got bloody called off because they got spanked. And um, Villa with, you know, a, a, a new manager, they do feel like a, a different team. This this team doesn't look like a pushover. I, I was wondering because, you know, these guys like Concer and Mings, like big, strong guys at the back. Um, I was seeing them getting bullied almost by strikers mm-hmm. and, and, and towards the end of Dean Smith's tenure. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, what is going on here? Because mm. I thought these guys were good defenders, but they were looking terrible. Mm. So I don't know what happened behind the scenes, um, but Gerard's come in and it just looks like a whole new team. They are playing really well. Yeah, I think structurally, the, the main thing I've seen with Gerard, what he's done is 
<clears throat> he's kind of showed up the fullback areas. So he's actually been playing like so. So you've got Watkins up front. He's got the three in midfield, which has been Ben, ben Dr. Louise and and um, um, again. But then he's got like Jacob Ramsey and he's got Ashley Young like supporting supporting um, Watkins. But they're naturally more kind of slightly defense-minded players, right? So Ashley Young was a fullback. Mm. Yeah, he used, to, he used to be a winger, but recently he's been a fullback. So yeah, he can still go forward and like invent things and create stuff, but there's a little bit more surety on that side. And he's, I think he's got a defensive mindset, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He shifted, Dr- right? Tristan Graft in his game can win the ball, press high up the pitch. Yeah, and even like Ramsey. Ramsey's like another central midfielder who we've seen kind of get into the box. He's got, I think he's got a he's got a great goal um, against Arsenal. Um, but again, it's not it's not gung ho. They've got they've got remember they've got people like Traore, they've got Leon Bailey, they've got El Ghazi. These guys are like winger wingers, like fast forward only really. But what he's done is he's kind of shored up the team, made them a little bit more kind of defensively sound. But then still, they, they still create good chances. Like, they were really unlucky against Liverpool when it was 1-0. Like, they had a couple of chances where potentially things could have gone the other way and it could have been different. So Gerard's done, a, Gerard's done an exceptional job. Like, come in, steady the ship. Mate. Um, yeah, it's a great... It's a great about steady the ship. Um, looking at the, you know, the first 11, it looks like they started the game with... Buendia playing on the right wing and Young playing okay. on the left wing so it's like Buendia is a player that Arsenal were interested in mm. and you know we knew him as a player who was kind of like centre midfield maybe that kind of box to box kind of game can get forward from midfield but also being a player that's a strong player you know someone's mm. going to come in with grit and determination so to see him playing on the right wing and then Ashley Young on the left mm. wing it kind of just highlights your point really doesn't it mm. that you know Gerard's gone for defensive solidarity, which is probably, you know, when you're defending from the front, it permeates mm. throughout the whole team, doesn't it? And protects mm. the defence. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, but what do you think about the um, the impact that Brendan's had? Does it look like maybe Arsenal has dodged a bullet by not signing him? No, I wouldn't say that. He's a good football player. It just hasn't worked out for him yet, but there's time. I think sometimes what happens is, is we expect people just to kind of like walk into a new team and just boss it from the start. Like, there's so many teams where it takes a while. Like, you see it with Klopp. He buys certain players and he won't play them for a while. Like, Fabinho is now arguably the best DM in the league. But do you remember his first six months in the league? It wasn't it wasn't that great. So, sometimes what you need to do is just give people the right time, get the right system for them, and then from there, you're fine. There you go. Dean Smith uh, at his new club, getting spanked by his old club, unfortunately. Um, on to City versus Leeds. Leeds will be another team that wish this game got bloody uh, uh, postponed due to coronavirus because they got absolutely destroyed. 7-0. I mean, we know how good City are, but Leeds have been poor. Mm. Like, what is going on over there, I think you just need to understand with Leeds, it's it's very, very important to have your key players available. So they've had their goalkeeper, their fullbacks have interchanged quite a lot. They haven't had the same kind of quality at fullback that they had. Again, even at centre-backs, they haven't really had their best defence out. And Calvin Phillips is a big player for them. Like He really gives them the kind of the base to be able to kind of move forward. So last year when they had Calvin Phillips... Then they had um, Dallas as the two central midfielders. Then they would have like their solid base. Dallas has, has, has had to go to fullback this season. 
and then it, what it just means is that they just haven't had the same kind of solidity. Yeah, they still had like some good moments, like Rafinha's played very, very well. Um, Harrison hasn't been quite the same. Dan James has kind of come in and he's a little bit all over the place. They've missed Patrick Bamford, who's very good at holding the ball up, taking the pressure off the off the black line, like occupying um, occupying the, um, the, the the opposing team's defence a bit more. They need they need their best eleven out, and when their best eleven's out, Leeds are very much a very good team in this league that can give anyone a game. Um, it was kind of set at the start of the season when I think they went to United. Um, it was one nil got to 1-1 and then end up losing 5-1 they've been they were very gung-ho to start with and then it was like oh, okay it could be a really interesting season for Leeds but then the injuries are just piled up piled up piled up and they were literally down to like real bare bones yesterday and for them to even be able to put a, a put put a game on is a credit to them but obviously losing 4-1 is not going to look good but Leeds will be fine as soon as the players come back and everyone's fit then Leeds will be Leeds will be perfectly fine they've they've got enough points to kind of to to keep themselves away uh, like away enough from um, the issues at the bottom, but the one thing is that teams with games in hand now are going to start to catch up with them, and if if they start to get points, then the pressure is really going to be on Bielsa. Very good point because the two teams directly below them, like Watford has uh, two games in hand, and then Burnley has three games in hand. Uh, so the, the the points there's a bit of a difference in the points like you said they've got 16 points Watford are on 13 points with two games in hand so Watford could one up them with just mm. a, a win and a draw mm. um, Burnley they're on 11 points so they've got a bit more to do they're going to need two wins but mm. they, they wouldn't want to be that far down in the table mm. I, I feel sorry for Leeds because it's one thing having all of your players injured and not having a, a big enough squad to be able to cope with that Mm. being a smaller team but it's the fixture list <laughs> mm. when I saw that little run of fixtures they had with mm. Chelsea and Arsenal and City mm. I just thought ooh this is tough. good yeah, I, tough you know, from an FPL perspective I was thinking ooh should I take Rafinha around my FPL team or <laughs> it's a tough run you don't have the squad for it and and you're not in the best form anyway. But the, the only the only thing I always say is whenever you have a tough run, it tends to mean that your fixtures will become light very soon. So actually, if they've got their players back and they're playing the teams in and around them, that's not it's not a bad time to maybe not have your best players because say that your say that your best players were injured for the games against the teams that are around you, mm. that's gonna kind of affect you a little bit more. So true. Shout out to City, Kevin De Bruyne with two goals. Is he back? Let's see, man. I think that's like one of his first starts. Like Kevin De Bruyne's class, isn't it? Like it's not a case of him being back or anything like that. He's just a top quality player. So um, once he's fit, he's arguably the best player in the league. So let's just get his fitness up and then we'll see what happens from there. There you go. There you go. I like, I like, I like, you know, I like, I like that kind of, you know, just the understated, you know, look, he's just class, isn't it? Like class is permanent. Let's mm. move on. <laughs> um, so we're moving on. We've got Brighton, Neil and Wolves, one not really the most exciting game for me like that's not one that i'm going to be seeing and thinking that i'm going to watch this so just mm-hmm. didn't really um i'm not sure if you had a chance to see that one yourself the only thing i would say on this is just shout out to um the the walls manager who kind of came in difficult circumstances obviously the former walls manager went to tottenham didn't work out he steadied the ship they're still defensively solid goals are still a bit of an issue for them but yeah they just they've got such a good kind of defensive base um, and yeah, that, that's a that's a that's a very good win for them. Like one nil, Saiz with the goal. Um, so yeah, just credit to him, Bruno. I do, Bruno Lage. I do, I do like 
I do like Danny Ricardo. Yeah, I don't really know how to pronounce mm. his, his, his last name. I was just going to call him Bruno. Mm. <laughs> I do like yeah. Danny Ricardo. Yeah. Um, I think that his style is different to Nuno's. Mm. And we're seeing them playing this kind of like a three... Is it three, three, four, three? Yeah, so it's the same setup beforehand, but I think he's asking people to do some, some different jobs. Mm. And as a result... Um, that's good. And just, yeah, I think Cody, Saiz and Kilman have been an exceptional backline this season and they've done very, very well. Again, again, against um, Liverpool and against Man City, they both, both teams struggled. And we spoke about like Leeds and their defence. Um, they've been able to keep a settled backline and as a result, they've got very good continuity, which then means their form has been a lot better than Leeds have. So it just shows you that the two teams are probably like level pegging in terms of ability. But if you've got a consistent back line, Wolves are able to put in much better defensive performances against the against the better sides. I do like Cody, man. He's solid. That size, yeah. I, I, I need to watch him more because he mm. seems like one of those players where like he's just a baller. Like, he could play anywhere. Mm. Like, he plays central field, midfield as well. Yeah. yeah, it's decent. Solid. Um, very versatile player. What's going on with um, Traore, man? We've seen Bruno using him in a variety of positions. Nuno tried him in a variety of positions. It's almost like the coaches don't know how to get the best out of him. I think it's difficult. I feel like like he's obviously got like these like some amazing attributes, but I think it's down to the player. Like sometimes you just have to say the player's not doing what he should be doing. So yeah, it's over. It's over to the player to to do a bit better. With his physical attributes, do you think maybe target man striker could be a role that he could play? Nah, he doesn't have like his back to goal stuff. It's just it's not it's his not that like, he he so nice no, it's, it's, no, his first touch is decent. His first, first touch is decent. I just think he just needs to be a winger who plays high up. I almost think you need to play him almost like the way that you play like Salah and Mane, where you say to them just all you do is stay as high up the pitch as possible. We'll get the ball to you and create havoc. That seems to me the job that he he needs to just do, like learn to just really be a lot more efficient in the final third. Like all of this running back and doing that stuff is great, but actually I just want you to just be in the final third, really perfecting your cross your craft of creating creating um, opportunities and taking them. Interesting. I think when we've seen him at his best is when he's been on on the wing, just mm. running at players, causing mm. trouble. Um, but his end product has been a bit lacking, hasn't it? And maybe that's why he's ended up coming out of the team and yeah, hundreds. With managers trying to think, let's see if we can see if we can help you to rediscover your form in a different mm. way. Um, yeah, so, Lampy back in for uh, Brighton, them doing quite well, uh, but not quite getting the points against Wolves. Uh, Crystal Palace two two against Southampton. Um, mm. I'm, I'm 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 a little bit of a Crystal Palace fan, obviously because Big Patrick is over there. I want to mm. see his team doing well I'm really liking the rise of Conor Gallagher every time I watch him he seems to have a good game even when he doesn't score he seems to get into these goal scoring positions Mm. Um, Zaha managed to to bag a goal against Southampton he's a guy that maybe hasn't been at his best this season Mm. Um, but Southampton are they dark horses because I don't think they're a team that we expect a lot from but they do grind out results from time to time and then they get smashed from time to time. And it's kind of like you don't really know what team you're going to you're gonna see. You don't really know what kind of performance you're going to get. Dark horses for what? 12th position? Like, no. they're just, they're just, they're just any team. Like, they're just, they're just a solid Premier League team that will be, that will finish somewhere between 9th and 15th. Um, 
So yeah, I, I I don't think I don't see them really running for a cup. Um, I think they lost a lot when they lost Danny Ings in terms of goals. Um, so yeah, it's just there's not there's not much that's kind of coming from them as a as a team at the moment. So um, the, the the term dark horse came to my mind when mm. I thought of this player they got called Broja. Okay. He's someone I haven't seen a lot of, but I've seen he's he's been putting the ball in the back of the net, and mm. I'm wondering if he's in goal scoring form, could this be something where maybe they they set up to to get the best out of his goal scoring output, and maybe help them fly up the table? I think they need to just work out their system because what they've got is they've got Brozier, they've got Adams, they've got Armstrong, but you still got Redmond and you've got um Gineppo, who I think is all right actually. So. Out of those five, you can get like a decent front three, but it's just I think it's getting the right balance. Um, so like Brozier has scored a few goals, then been out of the team, then kind of come back in. Che Adams obviously was a good partner for Danny Ings, but we haven't seen the best of him. And Armstrong started the season well, scored a couple of really good goals, but hasn't done it consistently. So again, I feel like once they've got the right balance in the team, then we'll really get to see the best of Southampton. They've 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 definitely dropped off a bit defensively. So I had one of their players, um, Livermento. He was a very good um ac- like asset at the start of the season. Has been less so of that. So I think they need to again just once again once they get the right balance. Football's all about balance, right? Once they get the right balance up front, I think it will also have a very good impact on their on them defensively. And then I think they'll be able to move on and move forward. We got the uh, the Beckham Regen James Ward Prowse. Yeah, good player. Bragging a goal. Um, and uh, we'll move on to Arsenal versus West Ham. Now, Arsenal's form has actually been pretty damn good, considering the terrible start that we had. But unlike Leeds, we've had a beautiful run of fixtures where you would just expect the team to get through all of these teams. And as we all know, us Arsenal fans, every time we come up against a top team, we've been struggling. So... Coming up against, I mean, it was really disappointing to lose against Everton. Like that, that was a terrible performance. You really wanted more. Um, you know, against bigger teams, you're like, yeah, all right, fair enough. You know, you cities and your and you, and 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 Chelsea's, you know, fair enough. But against teams like Everton, you wanted to win that. Coming into the West Ham game, I thought, yeah, I really want to win this, but I'll take a draw to be honest. But then when you look at West Ham's form. They've actually not been the same of late, have they? They've kind of dropped off of their red hot form. So maybe it was maybe it was written in the stars. Maybe it was written in the stars. And it was absolutely lovely to see Gabriel Martinelli putting in a fantastic performance. But of course, before we talk about the game, we need to talk about the incident really mm. that happened before the game. Because this this performance came off the back of some real controversy, and we really didn't know what kind of performance we were going to get. Mm. Because Aubameyang was stripped of the Arsenal captaincy. Mm-hmm. Now, th- th- this this is a real annoying thing for me because it's kind of like a consistent thing that we've had at Arsenal for a very long time where the captaincy keeps changing hands, changing hands, changing hands. And, you know, the pundits and the critics have all been saying, you know, that there's no leaders. We don't know leaders at Arsenal. And we've been signing experienced players for quite some time now. And this 
I don't know. I thought we'd gotten over this thing of there not being any leaders at Arsenal because we had experienced players in the club. But just being experienced in years doesn't necessarily make you a leader, does it? Mm-hmm. Um, and when Aubameyang was given the captaincy, me personally, I just felt like it, it, it wasn't right. Like he wasn't the best person to give the captaincy to. He wasn't the type of person that maybe should be a captain. Um, and he's got stripped of the game. It's almost, it's almost like he's been set up to fail, man. So I kind of, I kind of feel for him because I don't think he was the captain type of person in the first place. So giving him captaincy was a bit like, I don't know what happened behind the scenes. Maybe he was asking for it. Maybe he wanted to be the captain and he just didn't deliver. Um, maybe Arteta had faith that he could do it and then he's just disappointed and let him down. But it just seems like a, a for me, a, a situation that was avoidable. Um, I don't think, you know, we would have seen something like this in the past with previous managers. Um, and I just think that, that, you know, there is a little bit of inexperience management here, a bit of inexperienced man management at play that has contributed to this, this farce. What's your opinion on this? But who were the other, who, who were the other candidates to be manager? Remember, like, we've got a, a basically a whole new back four-ish, like, and goalkeeper um, within, like, the last two years. Um, we gave it to Granite Jacker previously, and obviously that didn't work out very, very well. In, our, in, the, in the forward positions, we've got the likes of Emil Smith-Rowe, Saka, uh, Martinelli. So the most, so the biggest, the biggest name we had, someone with the most experience and the person who was most likely to start the game was Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. I feel like we only, he was the only real choice for it, if I'm honest. Um, I don't, I think when we talk about captains, we need to look at the influence as well. And what you've got to remember is that he's always been quite an influential character in the sense of like just how he's played, like obviously like main goal scorer, but you never really hear people in the in the squad talk badly about him or he seems to be like quite like well quite well liked and get somewhere with with, with people when he scores goals everyone runs over to him they're happy for him like i've never really seen the problem there have been issues with like Vitesse's organization um he felt to he felt i think he turned up late for a north london derby and as a result was on the bench um but then there's there was a stage where a couple of stories happened where i think he he went back home because his mum was ill and I think this is another personal matter that's kind of happened. The issue I have with this is it seems like there's a personal matter that's taken place. And as a result of it, it's kind of been, it's kind of blown out of proportion. I don't know if it's a lack of communication. I don't know whether Aubameyang has, has, has defied rules and stuff like that. But to me, there's different ways to handle this. These things happen quite often. So, and some of the better managers previously have been able to handle it, still reintegrate the player back in. And maybe you don't hear that much stuff about it now. Arteta has been very honest in, in, in the media and I'm not saying he should in any way, shape or form be censored, but I do think if it's a personal matter, I think it needs to be handled slightly differently. I think you can do, I think you can deal with the, I think you can deal with the actual offence of coming back late, but then also looking at, okay, how do we manage this slightly more in-house? In terms of the whole stripping of the captaincy, I can't really speak about that. Like, obviously, there's been an, a number of incidents that's taken place, and as a body of evidence, it doesn't look that good for Aubameyang. But there's definitely more to this story, and I would just be kind of like, m- m- 
I don't think he, I don't think he was set up to fail. I just think there's something going on because we've seen with Arteta a few times how he's handled individuals. We've seen it with Ozil. We've seen it with kind of Guendouzi. We've seen it even with Torreira. We've seen it with um, even the whole Lacazette, the whole Lacazette and thing as well. That's been something. That's been that's been something that's been that's been happening as well. So I'm just very very mindful. I'm just very very mindful of like also looking at the evidence of Arteta's records with our players and how he's handled them, as well as looking at the evidence of Aubameyang, his organisation and how and how he's performed as a captain. Wow, I mean that's a lot to process. But essentially, it seems like you're you're kind of saying we didn't really have any choice. We had to kind of give him the unbag, which so it's kind of like uh, a reluctant captaincy pick, captain by default almost. You know, uh, making the the best out of a bad situation, and then just that's circumstances that were you know outside of his control, things that happened in life, which is understandable. Um, but then, obviously, some other things where you you think you sh- you shouldn't have really you shouldn't have really got into that situation, mm. um, which is, it's just unfortunate, isn't it? It's an unfortunate situation, um, and I'm just I'm just personally unhappy that this has even happened in the first place. That mm. this was all out in the public, and it's just it's just a, a bit of a dark cloud over the club, isn't it? But I think we bounce back in the best possible way. Um, the new captain, uh, Alexandre Lacazette, he's someone where people speak highly of him. They all say that he's, when you talk to the younger players, I've seen them do interviews and they've all just mentioned, oh yeah, I, I really like Alexandre Lacazette. Like he talks to me and, you know, and, and, and he's good with the younger players. Um, he seems like a model pro when you see him play, he puts in 110% every time. Um, and I think he's a good choice, man. I think he's a good choice for captain from now till the end of the season. And we're gonna see, we're gonna see what happens. It's, it's maybe it's a little bit exciting now because we've got a brand new team and we're gonna have a brand new captain. Because the Laka situation, obviously, his contract's running out. So in the summer, maybe we're gonna be signing a new player. Maybe we could go with a big money player that comes in to be a big money captain. Maybe Arteta's gonna be. You know, giving everyone a chance to pull their socks up over the season and let's see who's going to be the club captain, you know, and which is good because it, it kind of makes people kind of raise their uh, expectations, their their mannerisms, their, their behaviours, you know. Um, I think there'll be a lot of people thinking, I've got a chance of being the, the long-term captain of Arsenal right now. And they'll be, you know, trying to show the manager that they are that guy. And I think there's a lot of potential suitors. If you had to choose, like if Laka leaves the club in the summer and you had to choose the next Arsenal captain, who would you pick? I think the only real candidate for me is Kieran Tierney. The only candidate? Yeah, there's no one else I think is a decent candidate at the moment. I, I think, I don't I don't know if I'd make Gabriel captain. I just think he's a good centre-back. I don't, I'm not too sure of that. Ben White, that's not that for me. Tommy Asu's new um, Ramsdale, no. Um, Partey and Xhaka, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there again. And then up front, we've got quite a lot of youth. So I think the only captain, the only person who I see as being a, a worthy choice for captain would be Kieran Tierney. Oh, well, I like Tierney for captain. I, I wouldn't want to see Ben White as the captain of Arsenal, man. 
just one or two comments that he's made it just makes me feel like uh, the attitude might not be on point you know um i could be wrong about that i could be wrong about that and and it's it's possible that you know during the course of the season when guys are injured or being rotated and rested the, the armband will change hands maybe we will see different players captain in the team and see how they do maybe ben white will get a chance to captain arsenal we'll see how he does you know um i do think Odegaard has a shout he is the captain of his country and he has always been a superstar footballer uh like a a wonder kid guy that played for one of the biggest clubs in the world to come from real madrid i think he's a candidate man i think he's a big player yeah, at maybe. the moment he, he's maybe not maybe not performing at his highest level but i think that will come i i really like the way that arteta has been managing martinelli um because he hasn't been at his highest level we've been seeing him in drips and drabs and he hasn't been that great but i think maybe what's happened is arteta's given him you know like some some instructions or some targets said work on your game and do this and do that and he's gone away and done it and now he's got to the point where he's ready and we're ready to play in Arteta's system and play the way that he wants him to play and be effective for 90 minutes, which he wasn't doing before. I think that's why he was out of the team. Um, and I and I just think it's fantastic. Like I think Arteta did an interview where he said um, he wanted the lads to to be like a bit more intelligent with his play. Uh, because you know the way Martinelli was, he was just like, he just gets the ball and he just runs and he's just running, he's running, he's running. We wanted him to kind of trying to slow things down a little bit um which i think he's doing now i think he is able to uh change intensity which is the vital thing for a footballer to be able to do mm. um and and we're, we're reaping the benefits man I, I think he played his part against west ham i think it's given us this situation we've got now it's given us options man where you can have uh older guard not playing well and then you play smith role um, and then maybe a Smith Rose level drops a little bit, you can, and Odegaard starts pulling himself and puts put Odegaard back in, and, and then brings Smith Rowe off the bench. Um, I'm still wanting to see some uh, something from Pepe. I don't know what's going on there, uh, because it would be nice to have Pepe coming off of the bench as well. Um, he could be a dangerous super sub to have, but let's see, let's see. Maybe again in the way that. Uh, Arteta seems to have managed Martinelli to be producing his his best form. Maybe we're yet to see Pepe do what the manager requires of him for him to be able to get into the team. So maybe the ball's in his court already. Yeah, hey. Good performance against West Ham, though. Maybe they weren't so great, but, you know, we definitely did our thing. Um, Any thoughts on the game in particular before we move on? No, it was a good performance. And, yeah, good good 2-0 win. Good 2-0 win. Good goal from Gavi goal as well. Um, uh, one thing I would say is the the um the Kufar sending off was wrong. I completely think it's wrong. I think he got the ball. I think it's a great tackle. Um, I think justice came in the way of the penalty being missed. Um, but obviously they were down to ten men. But I don't I don't think Kufar should have been sent off at all. That was controversial, wasn't it? Because it was like he got the ball, but he got the man as well. Um, it's, a, it's a contact sport. Like he's 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 travel. He's he's gone through the ball. You're gonna sometimes like touch people. It's it's a it's a great tackle, and it should never have been a it should never have been a red card. 
see if I can get a, a replay or a still or something. Um, because obviously, like it's it's a bit easier for us to say in like you know when we watch the replay and we see it all slow down when it happens like all in the heat at the moment it's either gonna because um there was a similar one in bro there's var bro there's var like we, we we've got this thing here you go to var you watch it again that's that's why we've got var like it to me it was it was it was a no-brainer and the fact that he got sent off was was, was completely wrong there was a similar similar incident in the liverpool game wasn't it when um alexander arnold made this incredible last ditch challenge mm. Um, but he got a bit of the ball and he got a bit of the man and I think that should have been a penalty but he got away with it yeah well like I said Liverpool tax in it <laughs> they think they get away with quite a bit so. club tax um, well yeah I mean oh I think I've got still here and it kind of looks like I don't know he's got so much of the man it kind of looks like he's got the man before he's got the no, ball. No, he doesn't. He's man. got the ball first. He's got the ball first, bro. That still's not good enough because he gets the ball first and then follows through on the man. So all that's happened is you've seen this still after he's got the ball already. Still, still's in the wrong place, mm. yeah. It's possible. It's possible. Okay, okay, okay. I'm, well, if if you're saying you've reviewed the video footage and you're 100% sure, then, you know, I'll, I'll go with that. But I do think in the heat of the moment, the referee can make a split decision. Obviously, we need to be able to go back to VAR, don't we? And that's supposed to be the definitive um, result. You, but sometimes referees don't even go to VAR, do they? They think to themselves, nah, I've got this one. I don't need it. Mm. Um, so maybe there's a bigger conversation there. Should referees be forced to go to VAR for every contentious decision? Should they have to consult it and take it into consideration? Maybe. Um, Chelsea drew with Everton, one-one battle of the Blues. Any thoughts on that one, Ash? I think it's a great point for Everton considering um, the amount of players that they had out. They didn't have any of like their first choice strikers there. Um, Chelsea went one up as well but they've been leaking a couple of goals and just they just haven't really been as as robust as they have been previously so um, no a great point for Everton and yeah Chelsea are now kind of slightly falling off the pace of Liverpool and Man City at the moment which I think will will be worrying for two for two core I think they have to win today um, in their match in order to kind of like keep up with those with, like with the top two does, does this uh, make you want to change your title favourite at all? No, because I still because I think there's going to be a stage where like the other teams are going to slow down, and I think Chelsea is just to do with the balance. I don't really know what he's doing up front. I feel like you you've got someone like Lukaku who's fit. Um, I think I think you play him, and I think you put a system in that gets the best out of him. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think um, I think they'll they'll come. He was very strong with them towards the end of the end of the season, so I think naturally he has a bit of a dip, and then he comes back stronger again. So I definitely still think there's a, there's a good chance for them to win the league. 17 games played, Chelsea on 37 points, um, City on 41 points. So if, if Chelsea win their next game, it brings them a bit closer, but then City will have a game in hand. I mean, at the start of the season, from day one, I thought to myself, Chelsea's defence has been looking solid. And with the signing of Lukaku, that's just going to fire them up the table and make them really dangerous. So I liked the idea of Chelsea for Premier League champions. Um, but I haven't watched Manchester City in recent games. I mean, 7-0 against Leeds. And they don't even have a recognised striker. It's absolutely frightening what they're doing over there. 
and um, you know we know how good the squad is, you know how good the manager is, the 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 individual uh, talents like Bernardo Silva and De Bruyne. And January's coming, man. It's possible that they might actually get a recognised striker in January. They might they might go in for Harry Kane. So yeah, we'll see. I don't know if that's yeah. still even like viable, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it works out. See how it plays out. We shall see. I think Kane's stocks has definitely dipped, though. That they can't ask for the same money now that they asked for in the summer. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I thought that was a really good result for Everton uh, against a strong Chelsea team. Although they don't have, they're not playing with recognised striker at the moment as well, are they? they they're kind of Pulisic up front, Mount moving uh, mm. forward from attacking midfield. Shout out yeah. to Mount. Always nice to see him on the score sheet. Yeah. Yeah, decent, decent for Everton, definitely. Yeah, they've been poor recently, so they definitely uh, turned the corner. Um, so last one for the midweek fixtures is Liverpool three and Newcastle one. Liverpool in an absolutely incredible form. Just looking at their form table, it's just green, just green, 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 dub, dub, dub after dub after dub. Newcastle can't quite say the same. We all knew what the result was going to be, um, but. I watched this one and I thought it was, it was quite an entertaining game. There was, there was loads of uh, lovely little bits of play. And Jota should have scored more. He, he, like he, he had some really good chances. He should have scored more. But he did score one. Yeah, I think um, I think there's some big contention over that first goal for Jota. I think Isaac Hayden is down with a head injury. And the game doesn't stop and he's in the middle of the box. Um, I think naturally with head injuries, you tend to kind of tend to stop them. Um so I think Newcastle had a Newcastle feeling aggrieved. I think it was fair, but um, play to the whistle, no? Not with a head injury. Like so, they they were still they were still doing what they wanted to do, but they were a man down in the middle of the thing. So even like when the ball went out and came back in, Jota's now onside because it's a player down in the middle of the middle of the goal with a head injury. Like it's I don't know. Like the the protocol is normally if there's a head injury, you blow you blow straight away. Um, but yeah, I just think that was unlucky for them. Liverpool were always going to win that game. I just thought it was, I thought it was unlucky on Newcastle, who probably should put their best performance in for a while. They were really, really tepid against Leicester beforehand, and that was a much better performance um, for 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 Newcastle. And yeah, they've got they've got a big game against Man City right now. So let's see whether they can kind of like um, they can put another big performance in today. I don't know if they'll be getting a result against City, but um, mm. that. That goal, John Joe Shelby, oh my days, my mouth was open. I was like, wow, slapped it in. I think probably that, that probably just angered Liverpool, just, just made them think, nah, we're not having this. Yeah, um, a good yeah that was a good goal, man. Um, but unfortunately, not enough to get the result. And I want to see more from Thiago Alcantara, man. I do feel like we haven't seen the best of Thiago in a Liverpool shirt mm. yet. Uh, so nice to see him getting a start. Uh, and playing well. Hmm. Um, this weekend, there was only one game because of all of the cancellations or postponements, rather. <laughs> Leeds won for Arsenal. So, Captain Lacazette leading his team out, this young team full of dons. Uh, Gabby Martinelli in absolutely sensational form, having scored previously against West Ham. And it just, the way it played out, it was just magic. Like as a fan, it was just it was just great to watch the team just played so well. I know there's 
there's some part of it being leads that have been terrible. You know, they've lost three in the bounce now. So they came into this game like zero confidence with uh their best players out. Rafinha was probably the only really big player for them that was there. And, you know, maybe you would have expected Arsenal to win. But they still did it in some style and and they could have scored more. The score could have been like another if it was City, they scored seven. Mm. We scored four. Like if we put away more of our chances, we could have scored seven as well. Yeah, I think it's a good like it's a good result. I think everything we said about um about Leeds applied to this game as well. They're struggling in terms of like their numbers and stuff like that. Um I think yeah, we're in a we're like we're in a good vein of form. Um good results in the last three games, um, good wins. So yeah, I think it's um I think it's been a been probably one of the bet one of the better weeks in Arteta's tenure. Um like I said, Smith Smith Rowe, Saka and Martinelli with the goals. Um but yeah, it's just it's just a good win. I don't take too much stock from it because of the state of what Leeds are in at the moment, but I do think it is encouraging looking ahead to um, the games that Arsenal have coming up over the over the Christmas period. I think Odegaard slipped into some poor form and he kind of looks like to be fighting his way out of it. And I really appreciated that assist uh, for uh, Martinelli's second goal. It's, mm. just like, it's become like a trademark Odegaard assist now, isn't it? These little dinks where he kind of just looks up and he, just, and he seems to have this ability to really know how to find a player and to time it so that the ball gets to them just absolutely perfectly. Like he hasn't under hit it. He hasn't over hit it. it like he's, he's kind of judging the trajectory of the run and it's angled. Like, you know, the guy isn't going to have to move one step to the left or one step mm. to the right. Like it, it is angled absolutely. Per- like I saw against Liverpool, uh, an example where that Alexander-Arnold tackle, right? The ball came through for Ryan Frazier, right? So Ryan Frazier kind of got ahead of, of Arnold and then then the ball came through and the ball was just like under hit. If if the ball was played with a bit of a better um, angle to it um, and a little bit more pace, there was no way that Arnold would have been able to get back there and make the interception. But because the ball was kind of just under hit and uh, Frazier was coming from the left and having to come inside to get to the ball, that just about gave Alexander enough wriggle room to be able to wrap his leg around the the, the player and the ball and make the interception. Mm. But Odegaard doesn't do that with his passes, man. He doesn't under hit, over hit and, and miss the angle. He, he's right on Wow, man, I'm just so excited about this young team starting to come together and starting to click. And, you know, having creative players like Odegaard who can pick a pass, um, goals from midfield, Saka and Martinelli. Um, I think maybe Lacazette plays a big part in that because he's the focal point of the attack, but he Mm. drops into midfield, which kind of creates a space for somebody to run into as well. Um, And that's something that you don't get from playing Aubameyang up top. And, you know, Arsenal fans have probably been saying for a while that, you know, you should drop Aubameyang because he's in poor form. But him being the captain, him being the big player, you can't really drop him. So maybe now that he's been stripped of the captaincy and he can be dropped for, you know, what he was dropped for, like disciplinary issue. 
maybe it's been a blessing in disguise. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll I, see. I'm excited. I'm excited to look 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 forward to the future. Shout out to Rob Holding because right at the end of this game, um, he showed himself to be a stand up guy. Marched over to the referee and reported some racism that he heard from Leeds fans. Um, you know, so it was a very anti-racist act, I would say, from Rob Holding there, which is kind of what we want to see. We want to see a zero tolerance approach. We want to see people doing that kind of thing. So I just want to salute him because I think for a long time, people have been turning a blind eye and maybe even just laughing at you know, racist, racist abuse, racist comments, and which kind of just just creates this atmosphere where it's okay. And yeah. It just, it just perpetuates. Um, and we've seen so much, like, in the last year or so, we've just seen, just almost feels like every time we come on here, we're talking about some kind of racist incident. Mm. So it's really nice to come on here and talk about an anti-racist system. Yeah. Wow. 100%. Yeah, um, so definitely. If anyone wants to read more about that, I'll share an article from the Telegraph here where they talk a bit about what was going on there. Um, there, I, I did see uh, after the game, they uh, there was an interview with uh, Bielsa, and uh, it actually says here in the Telegraph article that he's condemned all acts of discrimination. And when I was watching the interview, like he. He looked like visibly frustrated, like he was like he was really angry that, you know, they would even ask him the question. Like, of course, I condemn all acts of discrimination. Why would you even ask me such a thing? And, um, you know, ah, man, it's 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 a situation. You know, it's it's a thing that I think this racism and anti-racism thing, as a, I think we've got the right mentality now. And it's a thing that we can take into the future. We can take this into 2022. We can go with anti-racism into 2022, man. Zero tolerance. Just stamp it out. I love that, yeah. man. It's beautiful. Yeah, that, that has to be the energy. Has to be the energy. Um, that kind of concludes the fix. The, the results, man. There was a lot of results in the midweek. Only literally one this weekend from yesterday. But today, as Ash said, you've got Newcastle playing Man City. And you've got Wolves versus Chelsea and Tottenham versus Liverpool. Um, so to talk about Newcastle v Man City, we've got to give a quick shout out to uh, Aguero, who is obviously a Premier League legend and has recently announced that, you know, due to his, his uh, health situation, he's most definitely going to be retiring from football. Um, so we've talked about it on this podcast before. Mm. Um, but um, literally Wednesday, um, uh, he's 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 made a comment saying, uh, you know, uh, the decision I've made, I've taken it for my health. Um, he said when they first did the physical test, um, he never thought it uh, it, it would it would. uh, he would actually be able to play because this is something that happened a long time ago uh, an an issue that is a long-standing issue that he's had Um, and he dreamt about playing football and he never thought he'd get to even to Europe to play football in Europe but he did and he's had a great career hasn't he yeah Um, 
absolutely fantastic career. There's a there's a few stats here. He's got he scored 18 hat tricks, including 12 hat tricks in the Premier League. 20-plus yeah. goals in all competitions in 12 out of his 13 seasons. Yeah, he was a real one. Aguero was definitely a real a real world-class talent that the, that the league had. So, yeah, um, credit to him. Um, and, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad he's. I'm glad he's able to make the decision to retire rather than to be retired. Mm. It's just, yeah, it's an amazing. Right? He scored 36 goals for City in the Champions League, which is the highest total that a player has registered for an English side in the competition's history, joint along with uh, Chelsea's Didier Drogba. So he's literally going down in the history books as you know one of the highest scoring players in the Champions League from, from English football. Um, I just want to salute him, man, because we all know the legend of, of Sergio Aguero. Um, and I just think it's quite sad. And I hope we get a nice little special card in, in FIFA or something, man. Yeah, you know what I mean? We've got to keep that Aguero legend alive. Mm. Facts. Um, what are your thoughts about this weekend's games, Ash? We've got a, a couple of couple of games... Tottenham v Liverpool being the big one. Uh, Newcastle Man City we can start with. Um, are you yeah, excited about that? No, Man City are going to win. Like it's how many they want to score. Um, so I think that's 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 pretty simple. I think the 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 Wolves Chelsea game is a little bit more up in the air because, like we said, Wolves are very good defensively. Chelsea are without some of their main. So I've just seen that um, Hudson Odoi. Lukaku and Werner all have COVID-19 at the moment um, so as a result that's kind of affected the front line and the team that they can kind of do Chelsea were pushing for this game to be um, postponed but obviously that wasn't the case so I think that's a that's a very kind of like big part of what's going to happen now so um, and then yeah I think the, the big game is Tottenham-Liverpool obviously Liverpool are in great form and have been playing football Tottenham have had a very long rest and we don't actually know who's fit, who's not fit, the state of the players. So I'm really, really, I, I think this all points to a Liverpool win um, and a quite a comfortable Liverpool win based off the fact that they've got players who are match ready, whereas Spurs, um, we don't have a, any clue what kind of state they're in. I don't think Ch- Tottenham haven't paid for like two weeks, so it's really difficult to be able to unknow what kind of state they're in. Um, I do think they've been in decent form, though. No, they picked up decent form, but I'm talking about match, like match fitness. Because yeah. remember, if you haven't played a match for two weeks, your fitness isn't, isn't where it should be. Yeah, that's true. That's true, true, true. Um, I'm just looking at the form. Obviously, Liverpool have got perfect form table. Um, Tottenham have got three wins in their last five. Uh, two of them back-to-back. So, you know, they've, they've picked things up. Yes, it was, it was Norwich and it was Brentford, games that you expect them to win, but... It all helps with, you know, the new manager getting his ideas out and the confidence in the team and the momentum. You know, sometimes you just need a couple of wins and then you're on a roll. Um, and then you can come up against a team like Liverpool and then you can roll them over because, you, you know, you're all flying. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, like, like you say, Ash, having that break, um, it's, it's probably not great. Mm. Probably not great, but you know, we're going to have yeah, to we'll see. see. Was when was the last time we played? It was uh, it was on the fifth. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been it's been, it's been quite a, 
The last time they played was against Norwich when they won 3 0. Yikes. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a while. Literally two weeks exactly today. So, oof. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, I think you'd have to say Liverpool are the favourites to win that. Uh, Jotter in fantastic form. I'd like to see something from Mane. I think he's been coming close in recent games. Um, and the thing is, with these games that have been happening in quick succession, there's going to have to be some sort of rotation. So we might just see some kind of rotation against Spurs. Although Spurs being a big team, you're probably going to all of your best players starting, wouldn't you? But you never know. We might see some sort of rotation. We might see um, Firmino getting a start or Milner getting a start. Um, Oxlade-Chamberlain's been in and out of the team. He might get a start. We'll see. But the thing about Liverpool is it doesn't matter who they play. They all seem to produce the goods, man. They all seem to be playing really well this season. I don't think I've seen a single player come in and be put like at the start of the season. They had that youngster coming in. Um, he was playing like uh, in the midfield, and then he got injured. And then they had um, oh, Harvey Elliott. Harvey Elliott, yeah, he looked promising, man. And then they had uh, the left back Simicast. He come in, he looked promising. Um, and then you know it's just like it doesn't matter who comes in at the over there, man. They're doing really well. I'm not sure who their backup right back is, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you would drop Trent away to Spurs, man. This is an important game. He'd have to play. So let's see. Um, well, that kind of concludes our little talk on the results and the fixtures. And there's not that much news left to talk about apart from the Champions League and the Europa League draws. Um, did you did you hear that there was actually a little bit of a of a mistake with the draw in the first place, Ash? Yeah. So. Um, as a result, United weren't given the right teams because they could have, they had the option to play, I think, was it um, Bayern Munich or Atletico Madrid, but that, that ball didn't kind of come out. So a couple of hours later, they had to do a redraw. And I think the, the main the main team to be upset by that redraw is Real Madrid, who went from playing Benfica to playing Paris Saint-Germain. Um, and yeah, that was it's quite the redraw. So... <laughs> I mean, looking at it, looking at the full draw as we as we have at the moment, it's um it's an interesting draw. But yeah, Real Madrid really are 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 upset by 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 what's happened, and they actually have a very kind of good good like good reason for that. Um, I just don't think it's it's just not it's not really fair. It's not really fair for that stuff to kind of happen. But but yeah, um, the rest of the ties do look pretty good. So I can run through, to run through them or yeah sure but like yeah. what, what, I mean what could you do in that scenario like you have to redraw don't you, you oh of course yeah. yeah you have to do it because there has to be like the transparency it has to be done properly but obviously people will always think oh, there's there's an agenda behind it or there's something that's gone that's gone wrong for this but but yeah um, you know I don't think I've seen that before has that ever happened before not that I can remember I don't ever remember there being a redraw like this um. So yeah, no, I don't, I don't remember it happening beforehand. Controversial, um, but yeah, yeah, let's go through the fixtures. So Salzburg play Bayern Munich, Sporting play Manchester City, Benfica play Ajax, Chelsea play Lille, Atletico Madrid play Manchester United, Villarreal play Juventus, Inter Milan play Liverpool, and Paris Saint Germain play Real Madrid. So Real every team that I yeah, so every single team that I mentioned first will play their leg at home first because they were second in the group. 
And whoever I mentioned second, they'll play their second leg at home because they won their group. Oh, wow. Interesting draw. Yeah, it's an interesting draw, definitely. And I'm Can looking you... forward to, to seeing some of the, the things. I know you called it the Kylian Mbappe derby. <laughs> <laughs> Can you pick the winner out um, by looking at this list yet? Um, I think you've got to look at like the three big English teams and Bayern Munich. Like, I just think I think it'll be one of those four, but who knows? Like Real Madrid will do well. Could Paris Saint Germain. It's weird. Like I've all, I, I like Paris Saint Germain a lot, but I don't know if they're going to do it this year. I don't have I don't have that feeling of them right now. But maybe by February March time they'll be in that position. But I just don't I don't see it in Paris Saint Germain at the moment, which is a bit of a shame because I really would love Neymar and Messi to get another Champions League. But we'll see. Yeah, in terms of like. What I would actually want to see happen versus what I think will actually happen. I I would love to see, I would love to see that Paris Saint Germain team win the Champions League. That would be fantastic because that's like the team they have is literally like a football fantasy. Mm. And to see mm. Messi join Paris Saint Germain and win the Champions League in his first season would be like fantastic. And that PSG team has been knocking on the door for a little while. They've really been trying. So it would be so nice to see that, like, the Neymar and Mbappe team get this title before Mbappe leaves, you know? Mm. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's just the uh, the kind of uh, the little boy in me, the little football romance yeah, story yeah, yeah. that you want to see happen there. Yeah, um, I'm here for it. But then, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it would be nice to have one of the minnows in it as well. A team like Ajax that always seems to keep producing quality young players mm. that play great football. You know, maybe they could go all the way to the final and win the Champions League. Who knows? Anything yeah, potential. Um, and we also well, have the Euro- Europa League draw as well. Yeah, Europa League obviously doesn't have quite as many exciting teams in it. But we've got Sevilla versus Dinamo Zagreb. Atlanta versus Olympiacos, Red Bull Leipzig versus Real Sociedad, Barcelona v Napoli, Zenit Saint Petersburg against Real Betis, Borussia Dortmund versus Rangers, Sheriff Tiraspol v Braga, and Porto playing Lazio. So out of that list, there's a team that looks like the odd one out. Barcelona, what are they doing in the Europa League? It just shows like just how far they've fallen and they're not in a great state. Um, I don't even really think they're favourites for this competition because they just don't seem that coherent at the moment. So, yeah, I think um, I think I'd probably make Sevilla my favourite. Um, obviously, you know, this is like Unai Emery's competition, isn't it? So, yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. No, no, he's not even there, he's at Villarreal, but yeah, Sevilla have a good history, so I get I make them favourites or. I remember there was a time before when when you when you picked them out as a as a good shout to win it and they went and won it for you, man. So yeah, I've got history. I've got history with this. Yeah, no, I'm being good. I mean, it's, it's, it's Mystic Ash with the predictions. Like, I'm I'm gonna take that prediction to the bookies, man. I'm putting my money on Sevilla. Yeah, no, they've got a good history in this competition and they always seem to show up for it. So yeah, look out for them. So for sure. Um, well, that's kind of the, the last uh, football news we've got to talk about. Um, anything you want to sign off with, Ash? Yeah, man, just like I said, um, a big, a big, big kind of like Merry Christmas to everyone. Um, everyone stay safe. Please like, enjoy the festive time. 
eat a lot, all of that good stuff. And then, and then, yeah, hold on. We may have a, I think we may have a guest who wants to say goodbye. Make sure to say goodbye to everyone. Yeah. Go on then. Bye. There we go. We have um, we have mate, we have we have young Mason making his first podcast appearance. There you go. There, the, the youth team system is in effect. We're bringing them through from the academy, and and he's gonna score in his debut as well. How about that? Yeah, he's um, he 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 plays football as well. So um, he scored past me yesterday. Um, really good goal actually. I thought I thought I had him in a little turn of pace. So. Yeah, project project. I, I don't want to say project Mbappe because project Neymar, project Neymar's happening. Project here. Neymar. Yeah, apparently there was a nutmeg as well, wasn't there? No, nah, there wasn't a nutmeg. It <laughs> 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 wasn't a nutmeg. I stopped the. I stopped the false advertising. Joe sure, Mason will say differently. Yeah, I'm sure you are. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, like Ash says, guys, look after yourselves. Happy Christmas. Save me some turkey and uh, we'll catch you next time. Peace.